morning, Superflex City. It is always morning in the city. We are getting those feelings dancing in the city here with a longtime friend. I've known you a long time, Dennis. Dennis Bennett, culture coach. Dennis, you are a senior editor for the Nerds. You do some writing. Help me out. The round table. Um, my weakness is bringing people in. Yeah. Um, but, but nevertheless, I contribute a little bit to football diehards as well. I've got some stuff coming out in the new magazines this year. I'll be in there. So nice. It's kind of it's no thing. Spreading my wings a little bit of this going to be in the magazine. We'll see. That's pretty cool. (laughs) That's awesome. I can't wait. Uh, I was, I was messaging Bob the other day or ML Cadillac and I'm like, Hey, when are they coming out? Because I, I'm like seeing a couple uh, fantasy football magazines at my local CVS and you can bet when I go, when I'm going to be in there, but I'm going to be posting it. I'm going to be, there's going to be a picture. I'm going to be showing it in the store, buying a magazine that I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm going to buy that magazine, Dennis, for sure. Um, and, and so you, you have an interesting story too. Like we'll just keep going with your, good stories here so let's start with the divisions of choices you had at first and the picks that you desired when you first submitted your application for the scott fishbowl and the music that you picked and then lead them to where we are i won't even i won't even say i'll just say pull out a margarita and and we'll get there well when i signed up like i signed up last year before there were sign up for your divisions things like that um, and, and then it was, and I was like, well, I don't really care what division I'm in. I don't, I don't need to go out and I, I'm perfectly happy to fill in space wherever needed. And then he was up, Scott was updating things and he changed the sign up form a little bit. So I went on, oh, a couple months ago, three months ago, maybe. And, and I went in and it said, pick your divisions. And I was like, you know, or pick, pick band divisions you would like. Uh, and I guess at that point, what he was doing was, Really, it was a poll. You know, whoever got the most was that. That's how he was picking the divisions. So I picked Kiss because Kiss was why I started playing music, and Motley Crue because I, I I'm a big Motley Crue fan. Uh, I'm a, a you know the the commonality between those two bands is they were you know they're kind of powered by songwriting bass players. And when I started playing music, I wasn't good enough to figure out other people's songs. So I, quote unquote, wrote songs to because that was so I had something cohesive to play until I got good enough to figure out other people's songs. So I've always been drawn to bands like Kiss and Thin Lizzy and Skid Row and, and, and Motley Crue that were kind of powered by the bass player when it comes to songwriting. So those were the ones that I put down. I didn't I, I honestly I never picked a slot, I don't think. I, I feel like, um, you know, and here's where, you know. I, I naturally have a large head. Uh, it's going to sound even bigger right now. Um, I don't really care what slot I get when it comes to drafting because I'm like, oh, I, I, I don't wed myself to any one strategy. And so wherever I am, if, if I can trade picks, I'll see what I can do. And if not, I go. If I'm in a situation like the Scott Fishbowl where you can't trade picks, then you have to see who's drafted around you, where's the value, you know, kind of mesh that with who are your guys and figure out who you're going to reach for, who you're willing to, what, is there a position you're willing to fade? You know, maybe you go zero RB or, or 
you know, single RB. Maybe you go tight end early. It's just, but you kind of have to see how it goes. I, I, I'm in 20 dynasty leagues, and I don't know that more than two or three of them I went into and said, this is the strategy I'm going to use, and that's what I did. Um, those ones have been you know, kind of perpetually in rebuild because if you're not willing to be flexible when you go and start your draft, then you're going to end up getting guys that either you're reached that that you have ranked or you're not you know higher than they probably should be. So I don't know. I, I never picked a spot, um, and then I kind of just was waiting my turn to see if I was going to get it. Yeah. You know, and, and I ended up, and then in. even like you so. said, like you kind of don't care where your spot is, and just kind of being a part of this, and, and in any case, and just having a draft spot is fun enough as it as it is, you know. So Dennis, uh, like I think back a, a long, long ways, like um, let's say Panhandle's days, back to the Fantasy right Life app and the heavy metal chat there. I don't know if that was open. Was that, I don't know if that was opened by Mike Tolunko, who was on one of these actually as well, or somebody else. But I think back to that chat and like music from there back in the day. And like you mentioned now playing music and kiss, like um, Dennis, do you have a heavy metal scream? Like, is that, is that, is that something we I can do? I do not. Or? There was, there's a reason I was a bass player and it's because they, they, they typically tried to keep the microphones away from me. Uh, I'm, I'm not known for my vocal ability. So uh, no, I, I didn't, didn't have a scream and I got to be honest, if I did have a scream back then uh, at this point in my life, it probably wouldn't work anyways. <laughs> Just not happening. It's funny too, because yeah. Dennis um, is my elder and like in the on the fantasy life app like I always imagined at panhandles as somebody 10 to 15 years younger than me so you didn't even show any of that age like we you don't really know each other because you had the old panhandles logo back in the day um, right. I've rarely shared shared my face anywhere and it wasn't until like finally we started talking and I started seeing you around on some of your your live videos with the fantasy roundtable etc and you realize that Dennis is is significantly older than me and, and yeah so most people i've asked I'm significantly like, older than just about everybody <laughs> and, and and i'm 43 so i'm not like super young or anything but but most people that i've had through these interview sessions i ask them like what was their first cassette tape or their first cd and i'm not comfortable asking you that i feel like i should ask you like what was the first device that you remember buying music for <laughs> And we'll go from there. So, like, do you did you have an eight track, Dennis? There, there, there was an eight track in the family. Uh, we I had one in the I family. Was, I was young enough that I specifically did not buy it. Uh, it. It was you know we had a we had a console TV stereo. You know you've probably seen those. They're about eight feet yep. long. Speakers on both sides. Giant screen in the middle. Lift the lid. There's a, a, a tape deck in there for your uh, eight-track tape. And yeah. Your, uh, the speakers uh, were in there, big wooden yeah. furniture. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, the first thing I bought was I bought records. So when I was 12, I discovered uh, I was in a – so in school, I played trombone in the when I was in middle school. I made nice. it up to second chair. 
Uh, I only played one year. I made it up to second chair. There were seven other kids playing trombone, and I was like, yeah, this is pretty easy. And I'm like kind of went, didn't really care. We ended up moving after that year to another school. I didn't join the band. Um, but I, I was uh, there was always music around. My parents were into country music for the most part. So country music like uh, Hank Williams and Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, Chris Christopherson, Loretta Lynn, Tammy Wynette. So it wasn't what passes for country today. It, it technically wasn't what influenced what passes for country today. It was what influenced the people that influenced what passes for country today. So it was, you know, that's the type of music I grew up with. And then I had cousins around. And so, you know, I had heard heard music like Black Sabbath and uh, Ario Speedwagon, things like that. And then in the music store when I was 12 one day, I saw uh, the cover of Kiss's Hotter Than Hell album and Gene Simmons with his hands up and his tongue out. And I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> and so I bought that album. That was the first album I bought. I bought that album for myself. I was actually in there shopping uh, for a present for my sister's birthday. So she got the Bay City Rollers and I got Kiss. And that was really the start of me getting more into uh, rock music. You know, my cousins were five, four, five, six years older than me. So I remember my cousin Steve and my cousin Tim talking about, hey, did you hear this new song by Ario Speedwagon? And it was when they released Keep Pushing On, on off of, uh, I believe you can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish. And then I got to hear some of their stuff like 157 Riverside Avenue and the Flying Turkey Trot, and, you know, Gary Richrath all into the wah pedal doing all that magic. And then it became ACDC and Judas Priest. And, and I just, you know, for, I probably, see, I've been sober for 21 years. Uh, and Bon Scott died in 1978. So for probably 20 years, on February 19th, I always celebrated Bon Scott Day because that was when he died. Uh, wow. And, wow. and Awesome for you, too, on the sobriety, too. That's awesome. Yeah, well, it, it is what it is, you know. It's funny because, you know, the old saying in AA is what do you get when you sober up an asshole? What, when you when you take a drunk asshole and sober him up, what do you have? An asshole. So that's pretty <laughs> much how it goes. Anyways, so I got into that's where I got into rock. I was a huge Kiss fan. Um, and it just became uh, part of my identity being into to heavy metal music. It was yeah, huge Judas Priest fan, Iron Maiden, and just went to... When I was 15, 16 years old, I moved from Michigan. I lived way out in the country in Michigan. Like you turned off of the dirt road onto the dirt road I lived on. I literally I lived. I knew that about you or not, that you lived oh. in Michigan. Oh, yeah. I was born in Lansing and I lived there, lived in Michigan until I was about 15. So and where was the, I, the place with the little dirt road? Was that in, still in Lansing? Uh, no, that was in Kent County. So okay. you know where Greenville's at? I went to school in Greenville. Had the Cedar Springs address. Uh, okay. And, and literally, I, the road I lived on, my grandfather owned a bunch of property, and he gave each of his kids uh, an acre or two. Um, I lived on Podunk Road, and it was just this little dirt road. I lived on Podunk between uh, 16 and 17-mile road. Uh, hmm. About eight, okay. ten miles outside of Greenville. Had to take the bus to school, and, you know. And, but we were surrounded by woods and creek, and 
you know, the rule as a kid was you couldn't go further away than mom could yell. So <laughs> we, we'd go out into the woods though. And, and we just played, we made forts, we explored, uh, unless it was hunting season, in which case then we didn't go out into the woods uh, because we were familiar with what hunting season meant. And right. you know, it was, I went hunting and trapping with my grandpa as a kid. And so, uh, yeah, I, w- I wasn't interested in getting shot at out there. No, not at all. And, and so, in Michigan, a lot of people come up with hunting somewhere close by their life. Right. Yeah, it's just because there's so much country out there. And that's that's where we were. My grandfather at one point had about 160 acres. And over the years, he sold off pieces of it. Um, I, I don't think much of it's left in the family anymore. But you know, it was a great place to grow up. We had a there was a one acre garden between our house and my grandparents' house, and you know, I had cousins that lived around the corner, and and then eventually one of my uh, uncles they moved to another place. And uh, when I was in the first grade, uh, kindergarten between between kindergarten and first grade, I think it was a family moved in that had a boy my age, and he and I. We became best friends for the, the longest time. So yeah, that, that's that was, awesome. Yeah, I think we never went to we didn't go to our first concert together. Um, but unless you count going, you know, our parents just. You, you ever seen Sweet Home Alabama the movie? I've seen so the movie. Yeah. When I when I think about sort of the thing, it's like there's a baby in a bar. Like we would go to the bar with our parents, and we would play pool, and we'd run around outside. And by the time I was 12, if my dad was drunk, I would drive. So that, you know, that was how we were out in the <laughs> we were out in the country. So, so but it was all about music. Like your your first concert wasn't with him, and you mentioned your first album was Kiss. Was Kiss your first concert as well? It was not. Honestly, I didn't see Kiss until their first farewell tour. Uh, in their first farewell tour. <laughs> in like. Uh, see, it must have been 95 or 90, 97, 98, somewhere in there. I, I was living out in Chicago and I saw him at Rosemont Horizon. Um, I saw him again so my, first recently. My first concert uh, was at the Arizona State Fair out in Phoenix. And I saw the police on the Zenyatta Mondata tour. Nice. So and then I when was later that? that year, I moved 1970, 1980. Uh, right around 1980, because I was 15 when I was out there. So about yeah, so 1980. Yeah. And then I moved back to Columbus. And so 15 or 16, I moved to Columbus. And then the first concert I saw in Columbus was Cheap Trick with UFO as the opener. And the second concert I saw in Columbus was Ozzy Osbourne's Blizzard of Oz with Motorhead wow. as the opener. Oh, wow. So I didn't. You know, I didn't get the gravity of seeing Randy Rhodes at that time, um, but it, it, I only night. understood. I did. I only understood two things he said all night. Fucking Columbus were the only two <laughs> words I understood that he said. But, you know, Ozzy was great. His band was great. And, and uh, you know, those were those were my first. Co- then I, I pretty much kind of landed in Columbus for a good while then um, and Saw I saw a lot of concerts in Columbus. I had a couple friends here in Columbus, and we we seen we had seen gosh Judas Priest two or three times. Uh, uh, oh, uh, who did we see back in those days? You know, it was kind of blurry. If I'm being perfectly honest, uh, we saw the Scorpions. Saw the Scorpions a couple times. Quiet Riot. 
uh, uh, it was 87, 89. So we saw um, Guns N' Roses. Um, so early Guns N' Roses. I saw them at an outdoor venue out at Buckeye Lake. Um, so like an amphitheater. Uh, and they were terrible. They were young. They were drunk. Uh, they were the first band of a four band show. Now, I was also young and drunk. So maybe they weren't <laughs> as terrible as I remember. But I do remember the other bands being much better. I think Cinderella was on that <laughs> ticket as well. Um, but a few years later on the Use Your Illusion tour, I saw Guns N' Roses with Skid Row opening up for them uh, at Beulah Park here in Columbus. And it was one of the best shows I ever saw. They were phenomenal. Yeah, that would be so. sweet. Both those bands. Like Skid Row, I mean, that was probably one of my, I would put that in top five, like first cassette tapes I owned um, somewhere, like really, really Early on, like in my cassette tape collection, was Skid Row and 18 in Life, and yeah. that that album was great to me. Um, so I want to fast forward a little bit because I also know you as an amazing father. I always see pictures of you with your family doing stuff with that, and I've noted to myself that you are vicariously also living through your your kids and music that they're getting into and mu they're starting to play music. I think that you've gone to concerts with them or they're somewhere in the near future here. Um, that's something that's awesome. Like how has that been like and changing, has that changed how you feel about music or just the joy that you get in sharing it with them? Well, so I have a son from my first marriage. He's 35 and he's a musician. He's a bass player. Uh, his current band is called The Most Falcons. Um, you can find them on Bandcamp at The Most Falcons. And, and they're pretty groovy. They've been on the radio a couple times here locally. And, and uh, he, he's, he's still finding his way in life. But he's a, he's a better bass player than I was. Um, and, and so I enjoy watching him have any level of success. Well, then I, I remarried, and now my son just turned 16. And he's into the guitar. And he's like way into the guitar. When he was in the fifth grade, um, we went through a phase of, well, you've got to have some extracurricular activity. And so I had always had instruments around the house. And so he's like, uh, well, all right, I'll play guitar. And so we had him take a year of guitar lessons. And about, I don't know, eight months into it, his guitar teacher came to us and was like, hey, I just want to say... You know, I really enjoy having Caleb in for his lesson. He's a super smart kid. He's he's really great to, to, you know, talk to. He goes, but he's not really learning anything. It's evident he doesn't practice. I'm like, I get it. We we go round and round about practicing, and and he doesn't, and, and it's a constant battle. And he's like, so I, he goes, I, I just, I will say, he's got the best recall of any student I've ever had in like 30 years of teaching. He goes, but I just feel like I'm just taking your money because he doesn't practice. And we basically said, you know, as long as we've got the money to give, we want him to do something. Well, it went on. He ended up finishing up the year. Some things changed with our situation. And so we we pulled it, stopped having the lessons. And then it's been, it'll be two years, I think this Christmas. So about a year and a half ago, uh, my oldest son came over for Thanksgiving. And he, when he comes over, he'll pick up the guitar and he'll think, tinker around. And Caleb occasionally would pick it up and make noise and, and, and whatnot. And so they were talking and, and Eric tells him, he's like, well, I think I want to play. And Eric's like, well, then just play. He goes, well, I don't know about this and lessons. And, and Eric's like, 
yeah, screw that. Just just play. YouTube something, play it, figure it out. And uh, he didn't really do anything. Eric was back at Christmas, and he's like, uh, so what are you what are you doing? He's and Caleb had started to talk about, you know, I think I think I'm gonna get more into it. He had started to look up some things to kind of figure out chords and scales a little better. Um, and we let Eric know. And so Eric picked him up uh, a couple albums for Christmas, got him uh, Peace Cells by Metallica and, uh, oh man, getting old is rough. Oh, uh, I thought if the, you brought the, it ahead the, to where it was more recent, you'd have an uh, easier time remembering stuff. That's why I tried to get us away from the past, Dennis. Man. I appreciate the effort. <laughs> so uh, it, it was an Iron Maiden album. Uh, the, the Iron Maiden album that has the trooper on it. I, I forget which one it is. Um, oh, but he got that, that for him. He's like, you know, he's like, th- th- here's this is a good introduction if, to metal. Now, Caleb had gotten into a band called Sabaton out of, uh, I think there's, they may, I don't know if they, they may be Swedish, I think. Um, and Caleb had started to get really into Sabaton. Well, Sabaton's whole, it's not a gimmick, but what their kind of motif is, is they sing about historical battles. So they've been around 20 years, put out like 10 or 11 albums, and they're all about history and historical battles. Well, Caleb loves history, huge history kid. And so he was into, he just got really into Sabaton. Well, ended up, uh, Sabaton played the Cleveland Agora um, a he was probably he was still 15, so it's been at least a year, year and a half now. Um, played the Cleveland Agora on a Wednesday night, and I'm like, we surprised him, got him tickets, so I took him up to uh, the to the show, uh, and then we hung out afterward for like two and a half hours by the buses. And he got to meet four of the five members of the band, get his flag nice. signed. It was like I was for like 48 hours. I was the coolest dad in the world. Nice, uh, dude. That's but awesome. he got. He, he got really into the guitar and he started he YouTube stuff and he started practicing. He bought a tuner um, and we just had a, a couple older guitars around the house. He started learning the technical part of it, uh, how to maintain them, things like that. Uh, we got him some lessons and he just uh, has taken to it. So for a good year and a half now, he's just been progressing and progressing and progressing. To the point where he got serious enough, we started paying for lessons again because he's, at first he was like, I don't need to know theory. And then he was like, hey, I wouldn't mind getting some lessons so I can learn theory. And uh, he started taking lessons, uh, saved up. He bought himself a Marshall head and a Galen Kruger cabinet, 200 watt amp, uh, decided one day I'm like, well, I'm talking to him about kind of expanding his horizons a little bit. And a couple of weeks later, he's coming to me going, hey, I need to buy this nylon string acoustic guitar. I'm like, what What do you need a nylon string acoustic guitar for? Um, well, he's moved on. So Metallica is like his favorite band now. But he's like, I need this nylon string acoustic guitar. And he found one and, and he was able to save up the money and get it. And I'm like, what are you getting it for? He goes, well, I think I want to learn flamenco. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, huh. I want to learn flamenco. So he got it, and he certainly started to learn how to play flamenco. I said, "Well, here, did you check out? You know, some of these guys that I, I knew from being in from uh, that were flamenco players." And he started, you know, he he uses the Google machine to to its fullest, and he's finding music. He's learning how to play flamenco scales and chords and strum patterns and and whatnot. And so 
along with his Metallica and learning theory so he can write songs. And, and uh, now he's expanded. Uh, one of his favorite bands is called Gojira. Have you heard of them? No. Uh, they're a French not. heavy metal band. A French heavy metal band, and it's funny because he'll be like, "Oh, I hate the French," and I'll go, "Yeah, but Gautier is French." <laughs> He's like, "Damn!" <laughs> but they're into like they like to tune down. Their singer doesn't do like all all growly stuff. Uh, he he sings normal, um, but they do a lot of low tuning, tune to G, tune to D, things like that. So he's learning these different tuning guitar tuning things. Way far, way further advanced than I ever took it. Uh, I I did drop D tuning and and that was as that was as wild as it got for me. So awesome, his birthday man. was you know his first concert was uh, Fall Out Boy and Wiz Khalifa. Okay, when he was about nine or ten, somewhere in that range, he was uh, all into the uh, not with the Fall yeah, Out Boy. But. He didn't. He 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 wasn't into Wiz Khalifa. He was all like ah, you know. No, I'm here for Fall Out Boy. So, and then, then we're at the concert and it's outdoors and I'm like, Hey, come on. And he's like, what are we doing? I'm like, we're going to get up closer. And he's like, what do you mean we're going to get up closer? I'm like, come on. Got him to about eight or 10 feet from the stage. And he nice. was just like, ah, oh. so there you go. Yeah. That's what it's all about too, man. And just enjoying those concerts. So I want to come a little bit full circle here with you before we get out of here. I think it's time to pour these margaritas and, uh, and, and get into Margaritaville a little bit here super quick. And you're you're going to be going up against some interesting company in the Scott Fishbowl this year. Let's talk about that, Dennis. Well, I'm not exactly sure who all of the people in the division are yet. Um, you know, while I was waiting, so I, we do charitable giving throughout the year. And while I was waiting to get in, you know, Matthew Berry made that announcement that he was donating to uh, the V Foundation. And if you yeah. wanted to play in his division, match his donation. And so I threw my name in the ring. Um, Scott was like, hey, he had said that like he, he had gotten a big enough response to fill multiple divisions. Um, and so I'm just, you know, I waited. I said, here, I'd like to, I, I'm in. You pick me, I, I'll, I'm in. I'm going to make a donation. I'm going to make donations this year anyways. Um, and so I just waited. And waited, you know, waiting. I don't know. I, I wasn't sure how long he was going to wait to decide who was in it or whatnot. But uh, then I got the email from Scott that I'd been picked. And I went, made my official donation and sent him the paperwork for that. Um, now I'm just waiting. Uh, I, I think we're waiting for the, I don't know if we're waiting for people to accept or it's been, I don't know, four or five days since I got the official notice. Um and so now I'm just kind of waiting for my invite to the division and to see who else. I saw that uh, Mike Lou and some friends kind of put up some money to see if somebody got in. And so one of the people that they and the person that they had put up got in. And I, I believe she's an intern for uh, uh, the Podfather. So I know she's in it. I saw that announcement. Uh, but other than that, Matthew Berry is the only other one. I, I probably one of the biggest challenges for me um like when it comes to creating content is that I've, I've read Matthew Berry for years and his writing style is kind of like how I like to write with the self-deprecation and the, the, the yeah. tell the story before you get to the stuff. And so I, I'm, I've been spending a lot of my time trying to figure out how to not have people go, man, you're just a Matthew Berry ripoff. Well, no, you know, 
that should be a compliment to Matthew Barry. And if I'm doing it good, you know, even better. But, you know, I want to create you know, original stuff. But I also, I kind of am who I am. You know, that's. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm not gonna, I, tr- I try not to. I, I, don't, I try to make sure I'm not putting out stuff that I don't believe in. Or if I'm making a joke that it's, you know, a joke, I, I'm like, oh, that's a terrible joke, but I'm going to put it in anyways. If I include a joke in an article I write, because I think the joke is funny. So maybe you get it, <laughs> maybe, maybe you don't, laugh. but yeah, exactly. I think it's funny. So I'm looking yeah, forward to you. it, waiting to see. You know, I was talking to you a little bit uh, beforehand. You know, Dynasty Nerds has got a mock draft tool coming out. They've been teasing it for a little bit. Um, but they've put in uh, you know, uh, Scott Fishbowl settings. So once it's released, you'll be able to choose your draft slot in the Scott Fishbowl settings, and you'll be able to mock draft from your actual uh, pick spot to sort of get an idea of how things might fall. Uh, I'm curious to see how it plays out. Uh, I, I did one mock draft, uh, but it was kind of a quick and dirty. Uh, I hadn't real. I picked the tenth spot, and uh, some of the picks that were available to me, I thought I don't know if that's going to really be how it falls. I feel like it's going to be a lot more uh, quarterback, running back heavy, but I could be wrong. Um, yeah, I took two kickers. Uh, shout out to Linda Alliance. So, but uh, uh, I hope I pronounced her name right. But uh, you know, I decided what the heck. The kickers were looking like they were ranked high at that point, so I took a couple I, I, I thought might be uh, good flex options. Yeah, you'll um, listen back yeah, to the I, I, uh, Jennifer Aiken show, too. She had some good uh, kicker information that she released on that show. So Yeah, there's a whole bunch stuff. of people putting out great stuff around the scoring yeah. format. You know, with the third-round reversal is, is uh, going to be – I've only had one draft where I've had a third-round reversal before. Um, yeah, that'll be very interesting to see how that pans out for sure. Uh, I'm excited about that being a, I picked 12th, so I'll get that early third round pick and kind of right. kind of excited for that area there. But Dennis, this has been a ton of fun, man. Oh, that's sweet. That's me back <laughs> in the day. Uh, nice. Too bad the it's the old picture of Dennis, a long haired Dennis rocking out. Need to change your profile pick now. The old Park Avenue Club here in Columbus. Um, again, Dennis, like I, I appreciate this a ton, making the time doing this, just talking about something a little bit different, man, laid back. Um, again, tell them where to find you, anything you want to push them to, anything you've got going on. And uh, thanks, a, thanks a ton, dude. Oh, it's my pleasure, my pleasure. Um, you can find me on Twitter at culture underscore coach, uh, you know, talking fantasy football, uh, just kind of hanging out. Uh, I'm on the Fantasy Football Roundtable podcast uh, weekly. We do two shows a week, but I, I'm only on one. Uh, in season, we'll do four shows a week, uh, and then I usually go on two. Um, got some stuff coming out. I contributed to uh, Bob Harris and Football Diehards. Uh, I believe the Pro Forecast magazine. Uh, he puts out a few magazines, and so uh, I'll have some stuff in there. I'm pretty excited to be involved there. Uh, and then at Dynasty Nerds, I'm the managing editor, and I do some writing. Uh, you can, I, I'm a, I rank standard uh, rankings. Uh, you know, I, I think they asked me to do standard rankings because they're like, oh, you're old. You'll know how to do standard. So, <laughs> so I do standard rankings. But we, we put out uh, a couple, two, three articles a day over uh, at, at Dynasty Nerds. So, um, you know, I just have a lot of fun creating content and uh, interacting with people. I mean, we go way back to what the Fantasy Life app 1.0. Yeah, it's uh yeah, it's, it's been some years. Yeah, that, so that yellow and little, black logo. 
Yep. And, and a quick note. So the Panhandle's name. So Columbus, Ohio used to have an NFL or, well, they were an NFL team, uh, but a professional football team that lasted from 1901 to 1926. In the last four years, I believe they were in the NFL and they were called the Columbus Panhandles because a lot of the people on the team at the time um, worked in a factory that literally made handles for pants. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> Hence the panhandles. So, yep. I'm not bagging my Zilla Zero G. This is at Superflex City. We are dancing in the city. We are out. <laughs>